London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. Live from Southern California, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for a new episode of Kings of the Podcast. Buckle up, here we go! This is it. Dennis Bernstein, John Hoban, welcome back. Kings of the Podcast, live from Staples Center. DB, how you doing tonight? Coming off a big Kings win. The lucky episode 13, John. I'm ready. Well, I don't know if it was lucky 13 or what for the Kings tonight, but this team looked really strong against an Edmonton team that was in town a couple weeks ago and flat ran over the Anaheim Ducks. We'll talk about that. They've been running over a lot of people uh, with their record uh, this year, but we'll get into that. We also have a special guest tonight. He's one of the founding partners of the law firm of Johnson & Stoll. If you've been paying attention on Twitter, that's (laughs) at Mayor NHL, selfless plug. Uh, he's Shameless one th- plug, but there's no shame on this show, John. Well, yeah, he's one of the development coaches with yeah. the LA Kings, and he's going to come on and talk to us about an, uh, a player uh, that you might have heard of, uh, DB, a guy yeah. named Gabe Velarde. He's been in the news lately, John. He has he? been in the news. Yeah. I think he's been, been dominating my Twitter feed exactly. for much of much well, of the last couple of weeks. John, I mean, the anticipation is going to end uh, Tomorrow night in Tucson, which is a long time coming. This, again, this could be a game changer for this organization if Gabe can realize his, uh, his potential and his skill. Uh, so I think everybody's excited. There's a lot of anticipation, a little bit of nervousness, I'm sure, as well. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a big night for the organization tomorrow night in Tucson, of all places. It absolutely is. But, hey, one game at a time, one shift at a time. That's Everybody it, calm down. Don't, don't tweet me one, wanting to ask he's when, a he's, minus two, when, John. when yeah, he's going to be called up to the L.A. Kings. Right. Just chill. Let the kid play. Let it all develop. Everything's going to be just fine. That's, that's just uh, one game at a time. Okay, DB? Now, now fans, tonight they have – yoga on ice after the game it's not the line on his atv it's not sirens going off there are probably what about 25 people with yoga mats doing post-game yoga and you want to know what i what i'm curious about db yes john um we normally for years we've never come up to the press box after a game so when the third period ends we go downstairs we go we have a routine we go in the locker room we get our quotes we go talk to the coach we go back in the press room we bs with dave joseph and foxy and all that stuff and that we stay down there right but now that we're recording the shows after we're seeing all of this stuff and so now i'm wondering (laughs) has this been going on for years and we don't even know missed it and we missed out on all of this stuff or is this new and I don't even know who to talk to to ask. Is, I, I think ice yoga post game is new. That's the thing I've never heard I don't, that, that branding before. The thing is, I don't think that people really would believe us that that's what's going on. There literally is a black rug that goes from blue line to blue line and takes up about half of the neutral zone. Right. And there's what would you say, DB? Twenty yoga mats out yeah, there. About twenty, twenty five, and, and now they're doing are, a downward dog. <laughs> they I really think, are. Exactly. Let's move on. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ice yoga. We'll is that what you called this. it? Ice yoga. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, King, we should go to the show right in the middle of that. Kings of the podcast, um, live, live from ice yoga. Namaste, John. 
Okay. Um, hey, look, this was a big win for the LA Kings, uh, DB. They, they, again, they were playing the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, and, you know, you look at this division, it's a little bit of a train wreck. It's upside down world. Right. You have the Kings and the Sharks down at the bottom, Vegas sort of in the middle, and, and, you know, Calgary's been falling here over the last couple of weeks, and now Edmonton's leading the division. They saw Arizona, yeah. a strong team, uh, a couple nights ago, and they're going to be in here as well. But look, Jeff Carter, um, he, he has this is an this was the game celebration for 1000 right. and there was a very interesting thing that Nick Nixon said during the warm up at least i found it interesting carter has the most goals in an LA Kings yeah. uniform since, since he was acquired and came here in 2012 so that's a, he came into the game with 175 goals in 501 games he added to that total tonight 26 goals and another 73 playoff games but here's yeah. the crazy thing he did all of that and is the goal scoring leader Having missed three quarters of a season with a serious injury, yeah, with the so ankle it, injury, it, yeah, it just goes to show you how important he's been to that Kings offense. Yeah, agreed. And I was just reminded of that when I when I heard the stat, and then again later reminded of it during the game tonight. Him scoring goals and everything, and I'm just bringing back the hashtag of all he does is score, <laughs> and just thinking like, wow, if Jeff Carter can return to being Jeff Carter, how great yeah. would that be for the Kings? You know, John, I, I but. Here's the issue, right? I don't think you can get that get to that level because if you look at the type of goals he scored, one was off his back. Tonight was a garbage. You'll take those goals every time, but it's not that dangerous sniper coming off the wing with that wicked wrist shot. He doesn't score with wrist shots anymore. Well, Tonight the Toffoli goal was vintage. It was vintage. Vintage Toffoli. John, they found his goal-storing stick. They found it. It was if back it, in, uh, I think, underneath the yoga mats tonight. That's probably where he found it. Well, tonight. wherever it's been hiding, yeah, I'm that glad was that he a, has it back. That was three seasons ago, Tyler Toffoli. That was phenomenal, Tyler Toffoli. So interesting yeah. stuff there. Um, many people in the house tonight, DB, besides the yoga crew here tonight. <laughs> um, how about this one? Mr. Anschutz in the building tonight. Really? Mr. Confirmed. Anschutz was here tonight. Wow. Confirmed. I was going to tell you that Shane Doan was here, which was a big enough deal for me because, you know, that's, Doan's, guy. that's my guy. Exactly. Uh, Shane Doan, I don't understand why he was here, though, representing the National Hockey League. Apparently, I, I didn't know he had a role with the league. So I'm Maybe be... he brought the silver stick. No, he brought a crystal bowl. <laughs> oh, uh, so what you... I mean, well, maybe he brought the stick, but he presented the bowl, uh, which, you know, there probably some dogs are going to eat out of it because they're a big dog family. Yeah, it's a big, yeah, um, it's a big dog family. Luke like that dog. Yeah. That might have been the first time that a dog was... At center, oh no, no, they had the dog. No, the dog the face, that dro- the military dog does That's the face right. off. So. Well, the dog that dropped the puck in Ontario, that, that yeah. was a couple weeks ago. So I don't know if that, but there was a dog here tonight, as well as a silver stick and a crystal ball and Shane Doan and Mister Anschutz. But DB, yeah, Kovalchuk was also in the building tonight, um, along with Trevor Lewis, who who was here, right. and, and you know, the healthy scratches, Matt Luff, et cetera. But I'm 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 I don't want to speculate. I'm just curious. Yeah. Why was Mr. A here? Was he here for Carter? I don't know. Was he here to have a meeting with, with Colby and his agent? I don't know. He probably signed Colby's bonus check that's due on the 15th of December. It is that's due. probably what it is. They, okay. They had a folder, a manila folder. They took it out, actually, of Jeff Solomon's briefcase. That's where the folder was. They presented to Anschutz. He signed the check, probably got on a private plane, and is now going to prepare for the, uh, um, the stadium series at the Broadmoor. Well, uh, we'll talk more about the stadium series. I can't guarantee you, DB, uh, of this, but we'll try to get Mr. A on the show tonight. We'll oh, see yeah. if we can. We'll try. A late ad. We'll we effort can, that, John. For the, for the third period. We'll get a hold of Rob Koch, PR guru, <laughs> to the stars and see if, you know, first yeah. year on the job. Uh, yeah. Koch, can I'm you pull this I'm not booking that bet. Can you, Curacao. Can you, can the you? offshore <laughs> bettors wouldn't book that bet. Right? Well, Netherlands, Netherlands Antilles won't take that bet, John. Okay. But All try right. anyway.
Uh, let's get to some news items, DB, and then we're yeah. going to do goals for, goals against. Beautiful. We'll do some jersey numerology. Um, the Stadium Series jersey. What the LA Kings are going to wear at the outdoor game, Air Force Academy. Um, I leaked it out earlier Somebody today. Somebody leaked that. Yeah, I only did. one guy. I leaked it out. Let me just tell you, DB, from a personal please, standpoint, please. Uh, I, I kind of chuckle at this because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very uh, proud of the fact that uh, we, at Mayor's Manor, we've brought Absolutely. you all these jerseys the Kings have been doing the last couple of years. We, we were the first ones to show you the outdoor jersey at Dodger Stadium. We were the first ones to show you the outdoor jersey for San Jose, uh, the Ontario Rain jersey, so, um, the 50th the anniversary jersey. So, we've, yeah, we've been Come doing on. all this stuff, Let's right? Real. But I, t- I have to I'll be honest with you, DB. I was sweating this one out because... I was hitting dead ends left and right. I was I was getting shut out. I didn't. Oh, so it was five minutes left in the third. You didn't <coughs> it was, score yet? D- yeah, yeah, this was, was d- this okay. was close because the jersey is getting ready to be officially announced here in a couple of weeks, from what I understand. And uh, and maybe they're going to move that date now. I don't know, but uh, what I was told was early December. And so I was getting down. You know, it was getting down to to the wire. Uh, like you said, five minutes left in the third. I didn't know if I was going to be able to come through. So I was really excited. I was doing like my best goal celebration today <laughs> uh, when when we put that out there. And uh, thanks again to Justin Cox, longtime artist that works with us here at Mayor's Manor. And uh, the jersey's out there now. The pictures are on Mayor's Manor. Yep. Take a look. John, thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, I'll be honest. I kind of like the jersey. And I look, I'm probably going to take some flack because yeah. I, I don't know why this is. But whenever a new jersey comes out, especially for the Kings, it seems that we hear more about the negative comments than of the course. positive. But yet the cash registers just start ringing like crazy and people right. are buying them. Like, I remember people complaining about the silver jersey and yet I see them all over Staples Center. <laughs> I remember people complaining about previous outdoor jerseys and I see them all the time and I saw them then as well. People are going to buy this jersey. And here's the thing, DB. For me, I, I sort of look at it with context. It's right. one game. Right. So if you one were to game. ask me, John, do you want them to replace the current Kings jerseys with this jersey and wear it for 41 home games that's next year? That's a hard year? no. I would say no. That's right. not, it's not a, 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 a league official jersey right. type. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but if you're saying for a specialty game as a one-off jersey, I think it's interesting and I know people are going to want purple to be involved. I thought purple was going to be involved. I'm sorry mm-hmm. that it's not. But if you're telling me the jersey is going to be black and white and it's going to sort of pay tribute to the 90s era Kings, which is what the L.A. Yeah, is there, right. I think it's kind of cool. It's different. It's, you know. It's different. Exactly. Look, I, I, I'm People fine. People are going to bitch no matter what. I'm fine with it. Okay. But I'm, I'm also fine with the outdoor game, and some people don't like that. So I right. just think it's an exciting time. I'm looking forward to going to the game. Yeah, Unfortunately, gonna I'm going to have to talk to you while I'm there. Well, but, you, you know. know there's a there's a cost for everything, John. There is. I'm just, can we get you on one side of the stadium, me on the other yeah, side of the stadium? Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll split up the. It's like the uh, Red River Classic at the Cotton Bowl. Half the team, <laughs> half the stadium is Texas. The other one's Oklahoma. So okay. Half will be Mayor Manor. <laughs> the other one's be Dennis T. That means I have to wear the black and white Kings jersey, and you're going to have to wear whatever that Colorado Avalanche jersey oh, is, yeah, with like a, which is not with like a big napkin yeah. in the middle of it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it looks like someone tucked the napkin yeah, in like they were eating lobster or steak or something at a fancy okay, restaurant once a year it happens no That's it's fine it, and it yeah and it pays tribute to the almighty mountains which they love they're they love those rockies love up there, baby. the rocky mountains exactly let's move on to another th- uh, somewhat uh, uh related to this uh mike chambers who writes about and covers the colorado avalanche i was uh, uh talking to him today via text and just looking over some stuff of his and he had an interesting note in his recent mailbag which uh, is the fact that allegedly there is a penthouse that has been built up at the Pepsi Center where the Avalanche play their home games yeah. that you could live in. Like, it's it's not just a suite. Like, it's a, 
It's a residence. It could be. Yes, really? you could stay there, bathroom, you know, the whole nine yards. And I don't know if anybody is living there. I don't know if it's a cronky so thing. it's like a condo? Uh, kind of, I guess, yeah. And, it's, and they spent, like, a lot of money to build this. And okay. one of the reasons Chambers is upset is because I guess the Avalanche have the worst practice facility in the league. And he's saying, you know, couldn't they just throw a couple million towards the practice facility? But it got me to thinking that there's a little trivia note that I'm not sure a lot of uh, Angelinos know about, but they should. Do you know this, Dennis, as a Dodger season ticket holder? Did you know that when Walter O'Malley had Dodger Stadium built, he had a residence built at the top of Dodger Stadium? No, never knew that. Okay. And if you go, now that I tell you this, you're yeah. going to go and you're going to look and you're going to go, oh, wow, that's amazing. So the top of the park gift shop yep. was originally a condo for Walter O'Malley. Really? And if you stand okay. there, uh-huh. if you look one direction, you're looking inside Dodger Stadium Correct. from the top right behind home plate. Right. Turn around and look the other way. Yep. It is the best view of downtown, downtown. L.A. Yep. that you will ever find. That was a perfect thing for to him. To live up there, right? Yeah. And, of course, you know, ultimately you just you, you can't yeah. do that. But, uh, yep. wow, what, what talk about moving out here. And, and, I mean, really, he's flown around in a helicopter. He gets the, the pick of the litter for his land. Exactly. And then he builds this condo, you know, top penthouse. Of the ravine. That's yeah, great. at the top of the ravine. One way, beautiful view. Flip it around at 180 degrees. Another Life's beautiful not view. fair, John, especially for the rich. Well, uh, <laughs> Walter O'Malley, uh, rest in peace. Exactly. Uh, save percentage. I want to share this with you, Dennis. Um, yes. Elliot Friedman, 31 thoughts, always has some very interesting stuff. Yeah. Goaltending has obviously been a, a thorn in the side of the LA Kings at different points this year. It's been a challenge. Um, he gave some statistics. He said, look, hey, the average save percentage this year in 2019-20 has been .908 around the league. Right. That's the fourth season, if it holds, this will be the fourth season in a row that save percentage is uh, going the wrong direction. And yes. it'll be the first time since 2008, 2009, so 10 years ago, uh, basically that it's been sub 910. Yeah, so, because these players are amazing. Yeah, goals are up and the right. goalies, you know, performance is not. Well, if you're Ben Hunt and you don't throw that backhand pass in the middle of the slot to Connor McDavid because well, the puck's in the back of the net. We're going to be doing goals for and goals against next, and I have a feeling that Ben Hutton might make it in <laughs> might there. Might make it in there. He just might. Uh, but three quick things before we get to that, uh, DB, the goals for and goals yeah. against segment, would be uh, any thoughts? Adrian Kempe has played wing now for a couple of games. We were talking about that early on in the in the podcast, uh, you know, first 10 episodes or whatnot. Any thoughts about him over well, there? The coach trusts him. He played 17 minutes tonight, John. Now mm-hmm. he, drew, he, he did have a penalty. Uh, look, the reason he's on a power play, I was talking to Jimmy Fox about this, he probably made mention on the, on the uh, broadcast, is that he has the ability to get uh, puck possession in the, on the power play. He can get the zone entries. That's why he's on there, and their numbers have improved uh, season over season with respect to zone entries. They're not finishers, John. So I, I think that, look, like it or not, I'm not an Adrian Kempe fan. The, he has a, the coach sees some potential in him, and to play him 17 minutes a night in a victory – that augurs well for Adrian Kepe. He's going to be useful somehow, some way. You want the production numbers to move. I'm not sure that they will, and we talked about that. But I, I certainly think there's a certain level of trust in the short in this short window where he can trust this player to go out and maybe he doesn't make the defensive mistakes that other players do that is sitting in the press box. So I think there's just a level of trust right now with Adrian Kepe because it shows it on the time and ice. Now, this is not a Kempe comment per se, but what about those power play numbers? Yeah. Uh, what, about less than 3%? Yeah, the shooting percentage is 30th. Coming in, they were 3%, 30th in the league and with respect to shooting percentage on the power play. They get opportunities. They're probably about mid-level with respect to getting the opportunities to get any the shots. They just don't convert, John, because let's be frank, they don't have finishers 
on the power play. They just don't. If you look at the first uh, the first unit power play, Kempe's a, a facilitator. He's not a scorer. He doesn't have a big shot from the point, and that's where he's playing right now. Kopitar's a facilitator. You know, uh, well, one of their finishers was sitting about ten spots to the left of us in the press box tonight. Yeah, Matt Love. Matt Love. He knows how to put the puck and in the Kovalchuk net. Kovalchuk too. I, I, look, I he wrote was also story, in the press box. I wrote a story this week. I, I just think in an effort to try to get this Kovalchuk's value up with respect to a potential trade, and it may not happen until next year. Because you know, John, that no moving clause is not in effect for next year. He only has a seventeen no team. Now you might have to bet for a whole year, but why not give him? You gave Kempe twenty games on the power play. Why not give Kovalchuk 20 and just pick your spots? Put him on the fourth line. Play him every single power play. Keep him out there for two minutes. Give him that one-timer, the opportunity to shoot his one-timer, and then pick your spots. End of of a period, offensive zone, face-off, put him out there with Prokhorkin. I I just don't, because they are suffering so much, and I look at the numbers, John, 3% power play conversion is just it's obscene. To okay, be listen, negative Nelly. They're coming off a big win tonight. You can go on a rant after they lose eight to two. Oh, I think it but was they a won tonight. It was a great they won, win. And here's why: because the one matchup that they were going to get destroyed on was uh, the Oilers' power play against them, uh, their penalty kill, and they won that battle. Even strength. Oilers are not a good team. They're an average team, even strength, and their statistics show it. And when you have goaltending like Mike Smith tonight, you're going to lose 5-1. Well, we all know Mike Smith versus the L.A. Kings. We know yeah. who's going to win that battle <laughs> every single time, going back to uh, 2012 there in the desert. Yeah. Uh, the other point before we get to goals for and goals against would just be Blake Lazad on the PK. We talked yeah. in, I think, episode two or three about the idea of maybe getting some other people involved on the PK Agreed, at, at some point in order to ratchet the minutes back off of guys like number 11 and go the Crosby route and don't give him so much time on the PK. Yeah, agree. Look, he played 15 minutes tonight. Now, look. Blake Lazat did. Yeah, yeah. Kopi played 23-27. That's about two or three minutes more than he really needs to play. If they're going to win games and you don't want to, you know, you want to ride the horse, right? He's a point-again player. He's probably going to score 85 to 90 the way he's going right now. But you got to give him a break, John. And I agree with you. you. If you want to develop these kids, you have to play them at more important opportunities in this game and have Lazat on a penalty kill, maybe a little bit on a second unit power play. You, you can't. You can ride your horse, John, but you can't. You know, you can't have him dead at game fifty. You can't okay. do it. So I, I'm all for it. And we want to talk about patience and developing other players. To have Blake Lazat playing 15 minutes a night instead of nine or ten, I think that's a plus for the organization. I, I would agree with you there. Let's get to goals for and goals against DB. I'm gonna tee it up for. You will do our normal routine here. Three goals for, three goals against. Why don't you start? Give me a goals for. Tyler Toffoli raised that trade value tonight. Two goals, one on the power play, and then you said a a an OG goal from Absolutely. Tyler Toffoli. That was the one that from the thirty-one goal season that we saw. So good for him. He looked engaged. He looked happy. He played, I think, seventeen minutes tonight. And again. Uh, we didn't talk to Todd after the game, but Todd will, I'm sure, refer back to his relationship with the World Championships. Maybe this is the game that turns him on. Maybe this is it that, that one that puts him on the streak. I don't think he's going to be here next season, John, but I think that's a, a big positive that this guy could put the puck in the back of the night, especially early in the game the way he scored. Well, I think that when you look at the two goals, it, the second, while it's great to pad the stats and score as many goals as possible, sure. certain goals are more meaningful than other goals, Agreed. and that first goal was very meaningful because if Toffoli can find that groove, the, the Kings are onto something. Toffoli's onto something. It's right. going to really improve everybody's situation. It's going to. Those are I million. Think you and I both said, like, "Whoa, wait a minute, yeah. where'd that come from?" Those are million-dollar goals. We've right. talked about this. There could be a twenty million-dollar swing in his contract. Amen. So those are million-dollar goals that he has going in, and when they're beautiful like that and they're vintage, that's fantastic. Um, 
we'll get to Toffoli a little bit later in the third period as we talk about Calgary with our lap around the NHL. So your first goal goes to Toffoli. Mine comes from the same line, uh, but for a different reason. I'm giving a goal to Jeff Carter. I have not seen this guy smile as much as I have <laughs> over the last week. Before the game, after the game, in the game. I mean, the guy is smiling. He is lit up for the last week. I don't know how he can stand all the attention. I think he's getting... What six years of attention in in one in one night? So keep or, it going, Jeff. Exactly, keep it going. That's that's the second goals for. Give me a third one, DB. Um, they played even strength. This is a decent team at even strength. They stay out of the. They stay off the special teams. They're really. They are solid. They won the special. They won the even strength battle tonight, and they're they're decent. They're not some overpowering team, but. If they stay out of the penalty box, they have a puncher's chance to win games. The goaltending's been better, right? If you're going to get some depth scoring with respect to Carter and Toffoli scoring, they're going to have puncher's chance to win games. You know, and I'm really eager to see how they react to the Arizona game because they were shut down in the Arizona game. They didn't really offer much. That's a, a team that smothers you and kind of lulls you to sleep. But I think they played even strength has been really – it's – it's not representative of a 30th place team or a 29th place team. So I shouldn't think they're played at even strength. It's been really solid. And I think that's the first thing. If you look at the accomplishments Todd has done, I think the first one is this team has gotten better even strength. And there is no such thing as a fourth goal for, but if there was DB, it would yes, have to sure. go to Jonathan Quick. He yes. made some nice saves and uh, has been playing better of late. So goals against, I'm going to start this one off uh, of the three. Uh, so my first one, I'm sorry. I have to go with Austin Wagner. Love the speed. But you have to finish Austin Wagner, and here's the thing, DB. We we see that we've yeah. seen this with other kids. We've seen this with the with an Andy Andrioff, totally different type of player. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just Agreed. saying yeah. Andrioff comes into the system and eventually gets passed over by other prospects. We've seen it with a Daniel Brickley. We've seen it with certain other players. I'm getting worried for Austin Wagner. This kid needs to put pucks in the net in order to keep his spot because there are younger forwards coming um, that potentially could take that spot. And, you know, his window is now, and so he's going to need to produce. So right now I have to give a goal against to Austin Wagner because he's not scoring goals. You know, on that point, I I was joking with Dave Joseph before the game. I said, you know what? Austin Wagner is going to get an opportunity in close by himself, (laughs) and he's not going to score. He's this generation's – remember Trevor Lewis – when he came in? I do. Fast as the wind, couldn't finish, right? So I think that's the issue, and that's the challenge. And, and so when I talk about Kolachuk going back in the lineup, it would be at the cost of, I, I think, Austin Wagner. I mean, I would want Luff still in the line because I like his big shot. Yeah. Austin's good. He's fast, but he cannot finish. And on a team that is desperate to score goals, I agree with you. He's at risk right now. All right. Number two, goal against. This goes to you, DB. Yeah. I'll what go do you back have? to the power play. 3% conversion rate on the power play. I'm sorry. Change it. Do, put different personnel there. Make a trade. Whatever. It's just, it's not acceptable. <laughs> make, it's a just, make a trade. Would you stop? <laughs> make it do something. You can't keep throwing the same people out there. Okay. Bro. You can't. Bring back Kovalchuk. Give him a give him a 10-game run on the first. And leave him out there for two minutes. I mean, John, if this, if this season isn't of consequence with respect to playoffs and standings and wins. Raise, try to raise the value of this player, yes. unless he's totally checked out, which I don't believe he he's is. He's not. He's not. So then put him back there for 10. I'd, put, I'd give him 20 games because I've seen Kempe for 20 games, and the play made in Arizona against the boards, he fumbled the puck, gave up the puck, didn't win a battle. Just sub him out and, and find ways to try to get this guy productive. I also want to see yeah. – I'm sorry, DB. I didn't no, mean to cut ahead. you off. No, I no, also no. want to see Kovalchuk for, you know, an extended time, I don't know, five games, eight games, ten games – 
with Prokorkin. I Agreed. mean, I just I think that just like I like Kempe with Grunstrom, I yeah. do I do like uh, the idea at least and of a communication issue as well, right. John. Right. I mean, it's just there's a comfort level, and Prokorkin is starting to you know a little bit more comfortable. He did meet with the media. He did have it. You know, he spoke with us after he scored his first goal. Played fine tonight. I, you just got to give Kovalchuk an extended run here because of the the the, the opportunity maybe to move him out to another team and get an asset for him. So uh, I think that that's, but again, back to my, my, uh, my goal against that power play is really struggling. All right. And then the final goal against DB, I'm going off the board here and I'm going to give it to an LA Kings advertisement. I don't know if you've (laughs) seen this on social media, but WWE night is coming up very soon. Okay. Okay. And there are two faux pas with this ad. Number one, they have Kyle Clifford dressed up like John Cena. You're fired. Whoever, whoever, <laughs> Kyle Clifford is not John Cena. So you need to. Wait, I, so who is Kyle Clifford? I, I don't, I'm comparable? so infuriated by this ad. So, that you don't I, can't I, even think I, about I can't it. think straight. I don't know who Kyle Clifford is, but okay. he, he's, he's, not he's not John, John Cena. Cena. Okay. Okay. So it. Adrian Kempe can be John Cena. I don't okay. know. I don't care. But Adrian Kempe is not Triple H either. No. The picture the that picture I circulated back a, in a couple day. years ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But here's the deal Kyle Clifford, John Cena. That's bad enough. But then they put a quote out that has. It, it, they're borrowing Stone Cold Steve Austin saying something like, you know, you need to get tickets and that's the bottom yeah, line right. because I said so. Okay, that's Stone Cold. That's not John Cena. So there needs to be I'm, – I'm a detail guy, DB. You know this. I'm, okay. I'm in the details. I got the line, though. So <laughs> okay. if it's Kyle Clifford as John Cena, you would say, you can't see me unless you buy tickets. Right. There you go. That would be it. That's it okay. right there. Okay. Right on point. Don't mess with – don't mess with the man when it comes to wrestling. You better be on point. You better be accurate. And don't mess with Cliffy either. No. Give him some lame-ass John Cena, Cena. gimmick. Can't see me. No, no. No, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> All right, DB, that's the three goals, four and goals against. Let's do Jersey numerology and get our special guest in here for the second period. Sure thing. Uh, Craig Johnson wore number 23 in Los Angeles. There have been 22 players in L.A. that have worn number 23 starting with Doug Robinson back in 68-69. Guys like Eddie Shack have worn it. The entertainer. Uh, yes. Nick Beverly, he uh, had a management role as well, but he wore it. Uh, Barry Gibbs, which, DB, that's not Barry Gibbs. Not, no. not your guy, Barry oh, Gibbs. Oh, no. Barry Gibbs. Wore, I've never even heard of Barry Gibbs. Not I'm Jay sorry. Not Gibbs from the Yankees either. No, but that's Barry good. Gibbs in 1980. Uh, Larry Playfair wore it. Igor Liba, our friend of the show, <laughs> our buddy <laughs> Colin Hanks, of course, uh, he was so happy when he texted me his, his picture before coming on last year to the Kings broadcast. Igor Liba wore that number. Um, little do you know that Mike Donnelly actually wore that number. Really? Mike Donnelly is better known as an 11, right, but right. had a brief stint wearing 23 back in 1991. Corey Millen from that era was the more popular number 23. Man, that guy was a little spark plug. Loved Corey Millen. Uh, Phil Crow wore the number. Then Craig Johnson came in. He wore it from 1996 to 2003. And then, of course, we all know Dustin Brown has worn it from 2004. He'll be the last That's Kings player to, to ever wear exactly. 23. There's no de- no debate about that. They're going to have to uh, slide over those, those banners hanging over there because uh, 23, 11, 8 – will be going to the Raptors. Can they those yoga mats while they're at it? Uh, yeah, get those yoga. Well, th- th- yeah, the yoga is still going on. But uh, that's my story on number 23, uh, DB. I was actually, I will tell you, I was a little bit surprised when I was going through the list to see that there weren't more uh, bigger names that had worn 23. I know that like in hockey, nine is a big number, but 23 is a big number in sports. 23, 32. Yep. These are really, LeBron, you know, yeah, these are, Jordan, these are big numbers. Big numbers, yep. And I mean, Dustin Brown, he's a big name, you know, right. two-time Stanley Cup champion. And, you know, with all due respect. But no to other player of really true consequence. Oh, I mean, 
No, this is the last it's, minute that's of Dustin play Brown's number. We'll right. have to ask uh, Craig Johnson if he feels that Brownie took his number, <laughs> like like Penner was concerned that somebody yes. took his yeah. twenty-five. He thinks he owns twenty-five now. <laughs> All right, in Los Angeles. Oh yes, by Dustin Penner. DB, that's a wrap on the first period. We will uh, be back in just a moment. Second period, Craig Johnson coming up. Welcome back. Second period. Kings of the podcast. Dennis Bernstein, John Hoven here live from Staples Center. And our, our special guest tonight, Craig Johnson. He was a member of four world championships, played for the 1994 Olympic team, and of course played 557 NHL games. War number 23 here in, uh, in L.A. Let's just start with an easy one. Uh, in the last period, we were talking about jersey numerology and different players that wore different numbers. Is there a reason why you wore 23 in L.A. or were you just handed that when you got here? A funny story. When I was in St. Louis, I had number 46. So the uh, trainer was told to get me a new number. So he said, half of 46 is 23. So that's that's how I ended up with 23. And it was the same when I came over from St. Louis to the Kings. They just handed me the number. And it worked out just fine. Um, of course, nobody is going to ever wear that number again now after Dustin Brown. We assume it's going to be going to the rafters. But uh, you're one of those players that did wear 23 uh, here in L.A. Uh, interesting because the Kings are playing the Oilers tonight. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I want to dig deep into your memory bank. Do you happen to remember who you scored your first NHL goal against? I'm sure you remember that. Yeah, it was against Vancouver. It, it was in, in now here, Vancouver. and and here's the tricky part though. Do you remember who you scored your second NHL goal against? That's a good question. That would be, probably be Jamie Store. It was the Kings, <laughs> and then watch so. this: your third NHL goal was against Edmonton. Oh wow! So yeah. Vancouver, man, they just screwed the whole thing up because it would have been great to have you on tonight if your first two goals would have been against the Kings and against the Oilers. And I'm sorry, Craig, for what's going on on the ice. This is just always what we're, we're up against. Uh, there's like a party going on on the ice after the game, and so we just have to it's sort of... damn line again. <laughs> you know, we just have to sort of work around that. Um, let, let's just take fans back a little bit here. Uh, the trade, obviously, is what brought you to L.A. It was Wayne Gretzky leaving. A lot of players, uh, Roman Volpot, who I talked to periodically, was part of that deal as well. Just what do you remember about it, and, and what are you asked about so often? Just like what are your key takeaways from, from that time and being part of it? Yeah, it happened so long ago. It, but I, I remember being in St. Louis, and I got a call about, I it was like 9.30, 10 at night, and you know, they just basically said, pack up. You have a flight early to, early the next morning, and you're playing that night. So I, I, I basically had a um, little apartment. I threw everything in the back of my truck and took a flight and played that night in L.A. So it was an exciting moment because, uh, you know, obviously the circumstance around the Gretzky, there had been rumors that it was going to happen. And then when it finally did happen... Um, I, th I think all of us were excited about the opportunity in L.A. It was a young team. You know, there were, there were opportunities. And it, at the same time, it was tough to leave St. Louis. St. Louis was such a deep team, and they were, you know, they had a chance to win the Cup that year. Is so. it one of those things that 
because you're at that early stage of your career that you're not really thinking about the impact of you were just involved in a trade with one of the greatest players of all time? Is it more about you're focused on yourself and just getting more playing time and getting into a, a healthy situation? And then later you reflect back on it as people like me and us, you know, we keep asking you about the trade, you know, 25 what years later? Yeah, I, I think I think when you first like in St. Louis, you're trying to fit in. You're trying to make an impact each and every day, each and every shift. You know, Mike Keenan was the coach, and and it was uh, he was he was a good coach, but he was a challenging coach as well. Um, so then it was the same when I came to L.A. It was just you want to make an impact. You want to you know you want to show that you can play the game. You want to you know show the coaches that. You, you know, and for for them to give you an opportunity to play, so so to come here was was exciting. You, um, I, I was able to play, I think, seven years here, mm-hmm. and you know, I enjoyed my time. I met my wife here, and you know, we have three kids, and you know, I look back now, and I, I always thought I'd end up in Minnesota, and here I am, still in California. Well, your wife's going to listen to this, so you better say that you enjoyed your time here. Otherwise, that's going to be a, yeah. a very awkward uh, portion of the podcast. I do want to get to the fact that you settled in Orange County because that, that is interesting. But uh, first, I want to ask you about the two arenas because you're one of those rare players that you played at the Forum. Then the te- you were part of the team that moved to Staples Center. And so many people just talk about the difference of, wow, playing at the Forum. You know, it has that, that lore about it, but then... This was a, a really magnificent facility. It still is, but boy, it sure was when it was first built and when it first opened. Yeah, it was. The, the forum had, there, there was some about the, uh, the forum, you know, just going to the forum club after the game, just seeing different <laughs> celebrities. But it, it, it was to come here, you know, to be part of this, to see where the downtown has come, how, how LA Live has, has created this whole new downtown area. And it's, it's, it is, it's, to play in both arenas was kind of special. LA Live is a thorn in my side because it took my parking spot. I used to park literally right across the street, right? literally yeah. with right I'm across the in. street. I was yeah. like inside the building in twenty steps, right. so and I. now that's the ESPN zone or whatever it is now. I, um, I just remember there used to be a little uh, Holiday Inn hotel <laughs> right across the street, wasn't? <laughs> and now it's the Lux or, or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, two quick things about your playing career before, and we're going to get to you being a development coach now and that whole role, and you know maybe going to Europe, but. Uh, Two injuries, I think, that people really remember. It's part of being a hockey player is injuries, but you had the one time when you had the eye injury and there was bleeding behind the eye, right? And you were, you were pretty lucky that, that everything was okay there. Yeah, I, I, had, um, I had taken a high stick, and I, I thought everything was okay after I recovered from it. And then I took another hit, and I ended up uh, tearing my retina. So I, I remember we were in San Jose, and all of a sudden I couldn't see. And everything was blurry, and I, I felt dizzy, and, and I remember I, I thought it might have been a concussion. So I was on the plane, and I thought it was a concussion, but my head felt okay. So I went to the uh, eye doctor the next day, and he said I had a torn, torn retina. I had surgery right then and there. So, and I'm sure you're talking, the other injury was my ankle injury, and and that was, uh, I still remember <laughs> now, that Now, wait a one. minute. When we started out, you said, oh, it's so long ago, I don't remember. Yeah. I'm bringing up an injury from 20 years ago, and you knew exactly what I was talking about. So, so uh, yeah, yeah, you, you still was, have it there. Yeah, that was, I, I remember, it was against San Jose, and Ryan Smolinski had given me a pass. I was cut into the net, and my, um, I ended up scoring on the play. You did. That's it. <laughs> but I, I ended up uh, sliding into the boards, and when I hit the boards, my one foot hit, and my other foot was continuing forward and it ended up basically slicing myself 
And it, it was a it was a gruesome injury because it it I remember looking at the X-ray when they showed me the X-ray, and my ankle bone had a skate groove right across it. Oh. So it had uh, it had nicked the main artery, and I, I remember I skated off actually, and I went. I remember smoke. It happened early in the shift, so smoke is like, uh, he goes, "Oh, you're okay," and I go, "Something's wrong." <laughs> yeah, you're fine, leg. no problem. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm sitting at the left wing spot, and all of a sudden, I'm like, something feels weird. It felt like I had a uh, had somebody poured a you know a water bottle or something in my skate. Wow. And I and we we were white at the time at home, and I was walking down, and I looked down, and my whole sock was covered in blood. So as it nicked the main artery and then it uh, severed my posterior tibialis tendon and I, they weren't sure if uh, I'd ever be able to play again. So I was, I was lucky to be able to come back. I had, uh, you know, Pete, uh, Pete Demers did a great job in getting me back to play and I was, you know, very thankful, thankful I got to play a few more years. So fast forwarding a little bit later in your career, you ended up over in Europe. And from what I understood, I did some research, as I'm known to do. Uh, from what I understand, that's where you spent some time with Victor Tikhanov and, and you maybe got the, the, the coaching bug or the interest in that prior to coming back to Orange County. Is that true? Yeah, one of, one of my last years, I was, um, I was based in Salzburg. And prior to the, well, you had to get a, uh, like basically a working visa. Over there, and I couldn't get the working visa right away, so I had to go practice with seventeen-year-olds uh, while the uh, it, while the they were working out my visa. And there was a guy named um, Yersinov, and he was uh, Tika. It wasn't. It was. I think it was Tikhanov's assistant coach, and he was. He's kind of a big name over there, and he had us out, and we were working on edges and we were working on stick handling and fakes and different things and these were things I'd never been taught before basically when we got to the NHL it was you know at that time it was more hooking holding skating you know winning your battles or shooting the puck but but these were I remember 17 year olds are doing these little inside edges I don't know if you now they call them the Crosbys or whatever Jeff Skinner does them great where they open their hips but I'd never been taught that in my life so all of a sudden I'm I'm doing these things, and I, I couldn't do them, actually. <laughs> so it took me some time, but I took a lot of what I learned from him over and, and tried to uh, bring it across and teach my son and different, different players. And, you know, I started out with uh, coaching my son when he was a mite, and I coached him all the way to uh, 16 AAA until he went to junior, and now he's, he's over in college. And... You know, we had another kid too, Cam York, um, started with me at Mites as well, and he was drafted in the first round this year by Philly. So we had like seven, eight kids from that team that ended up with college scholarships, and two were drafted. So and you guys won a national good. championship as well, right? Uh, the high we, school championship? Yeah, we, we had some success um, with the high school, and we had success with the uh, junior ducks as well. Yeah. So it was uh, we, we ended up third in the nation with them too, so... That's where I got my coaching bug. There were some other coaches from Sweden there. Um, Anders Melinder, who coached uh, Forsberg, um, Naslin, uh, the Sedins, the Twins. Um, Jim Brithen, who um, was another Swedish coach that coached for the, um, the national team over there. So I was, I was able to pick their brains. And before the USA Hockey came out with the ADM, the, Swede, the Swedes had the ABCs. And I remember reading the book and... <laughs> And basically, I took a lot of what I learned over there and brought it here. And, and you know, I was, I was lucky, too, over there. I, got to st- I started to work with uh, Saku Koivu and Solani. And then uh, 
I remember there was, a, there was this guy, this little Russian guy. He was, he was with uh, Grabowski and Kuleman, and they would come out and skate with me. And all of a sudden, this Russian guy, I'm like, oh, well, he's pretty good. <laughs> and, you know, we started working on it, and we'd, we'd go out and work on, you know, skating, stick handling. We'd work on the different edges that I learned. And all of a sudden, I was, like, watching him the next year in the playoffs, and he was, uh, he was on fire. Played for Tampa Bay, you might know him, Kucherov. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Worked so out well was, for him, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, no, it was, it, it was fun working with those guys, and you learn a lot from them, watching the, the great players, just you know, the different releases, the things they do with their, with their skills, how they, how they walk off the wall. So, um, yeah, it was, that, that's, that's how I got the coaching bug. See, we're harmless, yeah. CJ. It's just comfortable, right? You're talking about yourself, <laughs> a little bit of coaching. Now we're going to yeah. get into the players that you coach. John, take it away. Yeah, so the development side, I mean, uh, you mentioned Gabe Velarde right, right when you sat down. You knew that we were going to get to that eventually. So just so that everybody understands, the Kings have many former players that are part of the development staff. So they're not actually head coaches or assistant coaches, but you guys work with players at both levels, at the AHL level and the NHL level. Derek Forbert's out skating with you guys right now. Gabe Velarde's been out there. You guys have development days once a week, working with a lot of the American League players, both forwards and defensemen and whatnot. Um, how did you transition over into that role here with the Kings? Um, I, I've been with them now for the, this is my second year with them. And, you know, I, I started out, uh, and, and like you said, we, we have a great crew. We have uh, Mike Donnelly, um, OC Mike O'Connell, Sean O'Donnell, um, Jarrett Stoll, and, and myself. And, you know, we're, I, I wish that we would have had this when, uh, when I was a player. Because, you know, what we're able to do with them, how we're able to work with them. We have the on ice, the off ice, and, and we can, we, we have the uh, access to great technology to video as well. So we'll, we'll go and work with them on the ice, off the ice, and, and also through video. How, how did you end up in the role? Like, did they call you? Did you call them? Yeah, I, I've always wanted to get back into the game, and I, I thought it was a great opportunity, and I talked to Blakey. And Blakey asked if I'd be interested. I came down and talked, and, you know, now here I am. Yeah. So talk to us about, about Gabe Velarde and just um, one of the things I was thinking about driving in today is I, I'm guessing maybe that it was a little bit awkward in, in the beginning because it's like the elephant in the room, you know, his injury and the whole situation, and you don't want to talk about that. You don't want to bring it up. You just want to, like, act natural. And in those situations when you – are forced to act natural, it can be very unnatural, right? So in the beginning, it's like, hey, Gabe, how you doing? Well, it's like, it, it was it a little bit uncomfortable the first couple of days just to kind of get things going and, and, and build you that know, bond? Um, yes and no, because um, I, I have a relationship with Gabe from last year. Um, when he was back in Kingston, I was able to go visit him. So I spent some time with him, had dinner with him, uh, communicated through, with him throughout the year. So when he came back, and, and then prior, you know, the summer before, I had worked with him a little bit as well. So, you know, I, I think having that relationship helped a lot. So when he came back, I, you know, you, of course, everybody's thinking about the injury, but when he came back, he was a different, he was a different person. He had a smile. His shoulders were carried a little higher. He, uh, he was confident when he spoke. And, um, you know, the first time he stepped on the ice, you know, you, you know, we were all excited, but at the same time, we were also nervous because we wanted to make sure everything. But but the way he's he's handled it uh, mentally, emotionally. You know, here's a young kid that had his kind of his dream, 
taken away right away. And not knowing if he was going to come back or play, it's hard. It would be hard on me. It would be hard on anybody. And then you throw it on a 19-year-old, and it's mm-hmm. it's even tougher. So Gabe's done, and he's done an unbelievable job with it. And, you know, you could go through a long list of people that have, have helped him get to this point. And, you know, he had a good support staff. You know, Scott Livingston, who was in Ottawa, who worked with him, uh, John Meyer, um, King, Kinger, you know, Pricer and, you know, Blakey and giving him the support he needed. And then, you know, myself and Jared Stoll, we were able to go on the ice and we were able to, you know, start at the base, not the basics, but we started at a, you know, a lower level of intensity and we built it up and we got him ready, you know, for the, for the practices. Yeah. You mentioned the smile on his face and that's been one of the things that so many people have noted, coached others has noted, other people have as well, that just, this is a different guy that came back this time around, much more confident and just seems like he's more ready this time around. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, he's definitely ready. What I, what I, what I like about Gabe is you, you watch the talent that he has. He his, his hands are unbelievable. The vision, how he sees the game, and he he has so much talent, and it's 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 gonna it's exciting for all of us. But at the same time, we have to remember he he hasn't played hockey in a while, so it's gonna take him a time, take him a little bit of time to feel great. But CJ, if he realizes his talent, he's a twenty-five to thirty-goal scorer in this league. Correct? Would you say? You know what? The first one, when he scores the first one, then we're gonna we'll talk more about that. <laughs> I tried to get you on that one. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's it's a game by game thing. It, it's for 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 Gabe. I I think he's gonna. He wanted to make sure when he came back that this isn't going to be a short term thing. This is going to be something that he's going to be able to play fifteen years in the league. Yeah, so. and and it's a little bit like Groundhog Day because it was right around this time last year when he was doing that conditioning assignment with Ontario and then ended up going to Team Canada and just I I can't even imagine the disappointment that he must have felt at that time, you know, the pressure, first of all, but also the disappointment of not being able to play in that World Juniors and then now almost one year to the day, sort of the, the same thing. It's a big night for him tomorrow night in Tucson. You don't want to make too much out of one game, but you really do want to get that first game just behind him so that people can stop talking about that game and maybe start talking about game number two. Well, I, I, think, I think for him, he loves the game. He loves to play. And he's just excited to be out there again, to be with the guys and to feel good. You know, he's, he's worked really hard to get to, to the place he is. He's in a real good place physically and mentally, and we're, everybody's excited to watch this game tomorrow. Yeah. Why don't we wrap up with, with, without making it the Velarde show? Um, some of the other players, so who were some of the other kids that you've just interacted with in, in, in the development role, you know, there in Ontario that uh, maybe you could, you could comment about? I mean, Anderson Dolan, you, you see all these guys coming yeah. through. There's a lot of young, exciting talent that the Kings have in the pipeline right now. It is. It is. You know, we're we're really excited about the players we have. Uh, you know, during um, the development camp to see Turcot and Bjornfoot for the first time. You know, to the guys that we have. You know, Arthur Kaliev. We have. Um, he wants to be called Artie, by the way. Well, I, yeah. I, I just. <laughs> he wants Artie to be less formal. Yeah, yeah, Artie. I don't know. I can't. I can't get on you board know. with Artie. He just. I don't know. Uh, he can he can shoot the puck. <laughs> he can't. So if he can shoot the puck, you can call him anything. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you know, it's it's a great great group of kids, and you know, not not only are they great players, but they're great people too. So that's that's what's most exciting, and they're they're fun to work with. You know, they want to be out there, they want to get better, and they they're constantly striving for it. 
How was this today? Was it easy? Was it okay? Oh, yeah. were, were, we good, were we good with you? Can we this have you back great. on again yeah. and you can come on and talk oh, about some sure. of the other prospects? All right, for CJ, sure. it's been awesome. We yeah, appreciate thanks, it. CJ. Glad yeah. to have you in the development program with the LA Kings and uh, happy to see you out there on the ice with Gabe Velarde. And uh, like you, we're all sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what happens tomorrow night in Tucson and, and then maybe next Wednesday at home in, in Ontario. So thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Third period. We are Let's back, go. Kings yep. of the Podcast. Uh, DB, that was a great chat there with Craig Johnson from the Kings Development yeah, I think staff. CJ was a little apprehensive, but uh, we were we were we treated him with kid gloves. He was really good, really forthcoming, and um, again, you know, wrapped around the the Gabe Valari chatter, and he certainly gave us some insight on what was going on with Gabe. And uh, yeah, good guy. Hopefully, we can bring him back on sometime this season. Well, you're intimidating, DB. I mean, I, am. He, I asked him if he wanted to come on. He was fine, but then when I told him that you were the co-host, he was like, "Oh, Bernstein. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know." But it was very nice Sketchy. of him. To, exactly. Sketchy. That was the word he used. Um, very nice of him to come on, yeah, though. It was absolutely. great. And uh, look, uh, we could right go- after a game, John. Too. I mean, we could have gone the- on for another thirty minutes too. Yeah, like, really- th- we could have talked about his college career. This guy played with uh, guys that you would know, like uh, Doug Schmolik, uh, back when he was in college. Yeah. Uh, who, who was a player that played here? Um, he, you know, we, we didn't even get into his time with the Olympic team, his time with the right. World Championships. Interesting I mean, guy, man. He a has lot, a of lot of hockey history with that guy. Look, I had. Uh, he's probably going to listen to this, so I shouldn't give this away. But I did have my word association lined up, if uh, if time permitted, and I was going to ask him for uh, some thoughts on guys like Jason Allison, Dead Marsh, Paul Fee, sure. uh, Belanger, Lappy, Muzz, uh, well, Glenn Murray, uh, uh, Matty Nordstrom, Stumple, Froloff, Army. These are all guys that he played, played with. with. Yeah, exactly. So he that would have been a great he had word a, association. He had a long run here, John. He did. Exactly. He did. So we'll have to bring him back on and talk about that. Uh, let's let's do the rain report here real quick. Sure. So Gabe Velarde is making his debut in Tucson on Friday. As I reported earlier in the week, he's only going to play one game, not expected to play on Saturday, even though, as one person in management told me, he's going to want to play on Saturday. Yeah. And, of course, he is. If he's of feeling course. well and yeah. he's feeling good about himself, he's going to want to play. But they're going to hold him Kid out on gloves, Saturday. Man. Let's go. Um, the expectation is that he's going to play next Wednesday uh, in Ontario. That's the night before Thanksgiving. And then he's going to also play next Friday, which would be the 29th of November. Uh, there in Ontario Isn't as well. Isn't that the night I committed to going to Wednesday night? Ontario. Yeah, yeah. You're skipping out on the Islander game here at Staples Center. I'm actually leaving now to beat the traffic <laughs> for next Wednesday. Hey, as long as you make it to the other side of Irwindale, I'm going to be happy. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to stop at the Miller plant for a tour. <laughs> Please do. Because it's going to take about seven hours to get there on Thanksgiving Eve. If um, you're going to do the tour, I would do it with you. I yeah. love touring. But i got to check the injury report. You know, okay. the guy comes up, and, you know, sore you on Tuesday. I'm, I'm going to Nancy Kerrigan you if that okay. happens because right. uh, I like how certain players always become my boys like i get off the elevator today and one of the members of management was like hey your boy's playing That's tomorrow right, night yeah. <laughs> so, apparently i've adopted gabe velarde yeah, and he's, exactly. he's now he's now my boy you're a billet guy let's go yeah yeah <laughs> um Hey, uh, speaking of Ontario Reign, no longer a member of the Ontario Reign. So Velarde's coming in. Mario Kempe's going out. 
Um, let me give you a little inside information yeah, here. Yep. So um, most players on American League deals are making about seventy to ninety thousand right. dollars. He was making a little bit more. He's making about two hundred and fifty thousand on his downside really? guarantee. Okay. Yeah, so he's he's making uh, better money, money than most yeah. American League players. But check this out. From what I understand, and, and sniffing around, uh, his KHL deal is for about two point three million. <laughs> so the guy got a significant offer. You're talking about ten times the money right. to basically leave the situation here. So that's one of and the he's reasons. An eight goal scorer in this league. People have asked me though. They're like, "Hey, uh, like you know, did the Kings have to let him go? No, they had him under contract. contract. They didn't have to. But come on, Th- these are reasonable people. And when you go to the general manager and you say, "Hey, I have an opportunity to make ten times the money." Uh, that I, of what I'm making here, and there's not really an opportunity for me to get a call up. Yeah, does it jam them up with their depth down there, though? I'm sorry. Does it jam them up with their depth down there in Ontario? Uh, well, it does because they've already lost Grunstrom, they've lost Luff, yeah. uh, but I mean they didn't expect to have all these guys. Uh, F- uh, Ferk is injured. That's a big That's deal. Right. He, and, a and then, um, and then Mario Kempe now as well. So look, yeah, offensively they're a little bit challenged right now. This team, the depth has been there on defense right. so far, uh, but they've called up. Uh, some players that are on American League only deals. We're not going to get into that. I don't want to confuse you, but guys like Mason Berg and then this, okay. this kid that they, other kid that they called up today from the ECHL. So they're trying to add goals. And um, look, they're going to get phenomenal goaltending from Cal Peterson. Right. So if they can get some of the other guys, look, Sheldon Rempel, who was an unrestricted free agent they signed out of college a couple years ago, who was an All Star last year, he hasn't gotten going yet. So if right. you can get him going, Mikey Isamont, uh, you can get him going. Anderson Dolan, Kapari, there there are plenty of offensive options down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens in Tucson. This two game set, Gabe Velarde is going to play. Uh, also with the Ontario Reign, need to figure something out before we get there on Wednesday because Sean Dersey uh, reportedly does not have a goal song. I talked to him about this oh, after he scored right. his first <laughs> NHL, or first AHL, first professional goal, and uh, I gave him a homework assignment. I said, Dersey, come on, you need to figure this out because uh, <laughs> you, you, you need a goal song, buddy. Yeah. Um, quick update on Stockton, by the way. A few shows back, I was mentioning that the Calgary Flames might be yes. moving their team out of Stockton. Stockton, right. Earlier today, um, one of my sources was telling me it looks like they're going to sign a short-term uh, extension mm-hmm. to stay in Stockton as they sort of figure out a potential long-term deal. Uh, they just they, they don't see those other cities as viable as what they have going in Stockton. So mm, better we'll than than me. Yeah, they yeah. can sign an extension in Stockton. Well, not? you know, it's, the players can hang out and have lunch with Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz and whatnot. Um, moving on to some of the other prospects, DB. Uh, look, I tweeted this out. This is a phenomenal stat, and I hope it comes true just because it'll be great to talk about. The Kings have the potential to yeah. send nine players to the World Junior Championships. And for people that don't know, the under-20 World Juniors is the biggest tournament yeah. in the world, and it's not necessarily for draft-eligible players. There's right. al- There always are a couple draft-eligibles there. Mm-hmm. But really, it's for draft plus one. So players that were drafted previously, because you're talking about older players, 20-year-olds, not 17, 18-year-olds. Um, the, the Kings should be sending for Team USA, Turcot and uh, Kaliev. For Canada, they should be sending Akil Thomas, potentially Aiden Dudas. Dudas is making a strong case, man. He scored 20 yeah. seconds into the, into the game today for Owen Sound. He's the captain of that team. But what he, about your boy, Artie? Uh, Holy Artie Kaliev. And that 11-10 game in Hamilton. He's, oh, th- how nuts was that? <laughs> yeah. uh, that was but crazy. But that guy is a machine. Holy he is. Cow. This is Xbox TV. Yeah, it is. That might be <laughs> one of my favorite hashtags. Uh, so for Team Canada, Akil Thomas and uh, Aiden Dudas, uh, you have uh, Fajimo and... Um, 
uh, Bjornfoot for Sweden. You have Kapari for Finland, who was phenomenal there last year. You have Kim the Finn, the defenseman we talked yep. about also. That means, uh, plus uh, Perik playing for the Czech Republic. Right, the goalie. Probably right. is the number two goalie uh, for, for the Czech Republic. But Perik is phenomenal right now. He's 6-1 in, in the Western League. He was out for an injury. Mayor, that's... Perrick, right? Perrick, okay, yes. Okay. You got the right. Talk to the agent. Yeah, okay. it's Perrick. Got it. Uh, <laughs> but they say Perrick back home. That's okay. what, what Alan Walsh told. We need to get uh, Walshy on the yeah. show. Uh, Perrick lost a shutout in the third period the other night. It would have been yeah. his first shutout there in the dub for the Spokane Chiefs. Perrick has his new helmet now. There's also I could go on and on. That's I'm so not going to. So much stuff, stuff. DB. But look, um, that's that could be six of their first seven draft picks that could be in the World Junior Championships this year. That is just phenomenal. The right. Kings have never sent more than five players, and they could send nine right. to the World Juniors So when this you year. see those those five one six one losses later in the season, that's what you have to hang your hat on if you're a fan. Absolutely, right? and the yep. World Junior Championships are televised on the NHL Network. Yep. I'm going to talk a lot about this. Yep. What, the, what happens here, just from a timeline standpoint, is that the um, evaluation camps open up early in December. They'll play a couple exhibition games, and then the first official game of the, the WJC is on 12-26, right. Boxing, Boxing Day. Day. Right. That's, and, yeah. that's, the, uh, that's annually. Right? And then the gold medal game is the Saturday following New Year's, which is like the 5th or somewhere in that right, time right. frame, somewhere around there. So plan accordingly. Um, also, you have the AHL All-Star Game that's coming to uh, Ontario at the end of January. So, fans, you should get out there. You should check that out. You should see uh, those All-Stars in the American League. And then DB, trying to get you down to Irvine again. Yeah. Harvard versus know, ASU. Right. I saw that announcement this week. Tickets yeah. are now on sale for that game. That's coming up uh, like the 28th or 29th. It's uh, two games there in Irvine. John, are these teams any good? <laughs> um, ASU went to the went to the playoffs last year, and they were a na- they were nationally ranked for the first time. Um, I believe right now they're sitting on the outside uh, of the top twenty, but the Kings do have three of their four college prospects that are ranked in the top twenty. So follow along on mayorsmanner.com, and every week we'll tell you uh, who's ranked in those in those things. Right. How about we take a lap around the NHL DB sure, to, to wrap up our our uh, our third period here today. Um, Somewhat tied to, to, to Europe, though. Uh, the Spengler Cup, which is a big deal uh, in Europe. It's and, a big deal to Steve <laughs> Coolius on Sirius Okay, and, 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 well, and to Canada, it still is a big deal. Okay. Craig McTavish is going to be the coach of Canada. Mm-hmm. I found that interesting just because Dustin Penner was on here and talked a little bit about McTavish. Right. And, uh, anybody who's followed Mayor's Manor for a long time, you, you've heard me tell some McTavish stories. Um his assistant coach is what caught my eye. Okay. Did you see who it was? I did not. Please. Paul Coffey. Really? So is Paul Coffey looking to get back into coaching? Because here's an interesting tidbit on Paul Coffey and the Oilers and the Old Boy Network right, and all that stuff. Right. <laughs> DB, this guy had a $500,000 a year job as a development coach. Thankfully, we didn't bring this up when Craig Johnson was on. I'd be surprised if CJ's making five hundred k a year. He'd be but, banging on Blake's door. I mean, door. yeah. Let's go. <laughs> hey, if he has more power to him. I saw him. Paul's check. Let's go. <laughs> uh Paul was making 500K allegedly wow. when he was the development guy. He was only there for about a year. But here's the thing yeah. Paul Coffey was there on the Todd McClellan watch mm. during his time period in Edmonton. Right. Uh, You're connecting a lot of dots there, man. And, and yeah, and Coffey. Coffee is no longer with the development coach. Right. And I'm just wondering, because we see this a lot of times, these international tournaments, watch who the general manager is, watch right. who the coaches exactly. are, yep. because that starts to be a, a, some, tree. a gateway right. Right. right into things. So Sean Burke, did, Rob Blake was the general manager right. for Team Canada. They were recently talking to um, Gretzky about right. potentially coaching Team Canada at the World Championships. Right. I'm thinking, wait a minute, is Gretz thinking about getting back into the coaching game? So there's... 
you have to start to keep an eye on some right. of these things. And I'm wondering what this means for Paul Coffey going forward. Just something to keep an eye on. Well, it's like Craig Johnson misses the game. And this is one way to get in back into it. If it's coaching, fine. That's just it's just a brutal profession, John. I mean, you're looking at a guy uh, in Toronto who's no longer the coach. They, they owe him twenty million dollars, and if you don't produce it, it's it's a very very that's brutal. Problem. That's a great gig. Yeah. That's a good, good deal to have. I know, I know. It's, it's, Fire me from Kings of the Podcast. Chip me off twenty million. I'm fine. I'm never looking back. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> okay. Not the next season. How about five million? I don't even need twenty million. Just five mm, million would be fine. Let's get to fifty episodes. Okay. okay. <laughs> We'll, talk, we'll renegotiate your contract. Thank you very much. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the New York Islanders, they're going to be in town next Wednesday. DB, these guys are 15-0-1. They're here next week. John, let me tell you something. Coaching matters in it does? this league. Really? Uh, you look, their top pair is Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak. Who? That's who they And they're, they've been really good, but they have Devin Taves on the blue line, right? They... That, you That's know, Jonathan's brother? No, they are not His cousin? Related. Not related. No, not related. And their best player is now in Toronto. So, look, they have... They have um, Anders Lee has been great for them. Brock Nelson's been great for them. And Barzell is the guy who really is the guy who makes that, uh, the of engine course. run. It's, it's been really... You had to bring that name up, right? Yeah, I did. Because every time you bring that name up, it yeah. just, oh, it's just, train. it's it's a gut punch. Yep. I, I'm going to text Dean Lombardi right now and just <laughs> give it but to they, him they've been one fantastic. more time. And John, they're winning it with defense. That, that's what, that's what winning, that's what's winning them games right now is that they've all, all 23 guys have bought into the system. And you know, when they, when Robert Leonard, that great story last year. And Fantastic. goes on to Chicago. You figure, okay, you're going to bring in Simeon Varlamov, who didn't really do much in Colorado. His numbers are great. Thomas Grice is leading the league, I believe, in save percentage. It's about a system that it works right now. It's worked to some extent in the playoffs. They, they dispatched uh, Pittsburgh in the four games yes. last season. But it, it's just a continuation of what they do. But they are not, they far from the most talented team in the league. They have just bought in and they know how to execute. Uh, for fans that are tuning in for the first time or that don't know the backstory uh, there with Barzell, just uh, the, the Kings were all set to draft Matt Barzell. That was their guy that they were going after hot and heavy at the draft yep. that year. And, and uh, Dean got excited when he found out that uh, Lucic was available. And next thing you know, there went the draft pick. Uh, forget about Martin Jones no, and right. Colin Miller, but that one Barzell pick. would have been the guy. And the rebuild would have looked a little bit different. The team <laughs> would have looked different as well. But, uh, hey, water under the bridge. You have a GM, you have a window, and you go for it. And you got two rings. Let's go. Uh, well, I don't have any. I'm not part of the team. But, um, yeah. The Pacific Div- banners. Okay. Well, those aren't mine either, but okay. Um, the Pacific Division, DB. Yes. L- uh, look. Awful. <laughs> it is. We saw Edmonton here tonight. Um, I was very surprised by what I saw from Edmonton tonight because I would consider the Kings and Ducks to be a somewhat equivalent team. Now, they're completely different teams. There's a right. much younger team in Anaheim, a different coach there, uh, you know, compared to more veterans here in, in Los Angeles. But just in yeah. terms of, like, talent-wise overall or competitiveness or whatever you want to call it, where they are in the standings, they're a somewhat comparable team. And I watched that Edmonton Edmonton team just run all over them. Connor McDavid yeah. went out for a hat trick that night. and But they have two great players, John, and they have, you know, like Zach Cassian's in a contract year. He's got, what, 14, 15 goals. He's not a 30-goal scorer. James Neal is a 30-goal scorer, legit. But the rest of the depth of this team isn't there. The defense isn't there. The goaltending, I don't know. Goaltending's not there, yeah. Right? So, and they're leading the They played the other goaltender when they were in uh, Anaheim, too. Yeah. Yeah. I just, look, it's a poor division. It's it's clearly the worst division in hockey. And the the little disappointing thing up at the Kings, had they had a better start, you know, if they started 500, um, you know, that's what would have happened. 
um, they would be closer, to be honest with you, John. So it's it's they have the opportunity. And we talked about this during the game, John. Arizona's legit to win this division. Well, that's yeah, what I wanted absolutely. to get to, is that Edmonton is leading the division. Do you think that they're going to hold up as the division winner? And if they don't, then who is the team? And, yeah, you kind of gave it well, away. The, Arizona is. Yeah, is, except that, like, I look at the rosters pound for pound. If, if Vegas went out and traded one of the Fords for a defenseman, I think they would win the division if if Flower stays healthy. I just think they have the best team. I, I think over time, 82 games, I think they should win the division. I don't, and you are on the same boat with me with respect to Calgary. I think they're a fraud. I mean, they're a soft team. They, they just don't really show. They're showing their, I think, their true colors right now. Um, Arizona's going to be pesky, John. I, I, like, are they a 102-point team? If it, if it takes 97 points to win the division, then, yeah, they could do it. They're not that overbearing team. They just smother you, as we talked about a little earlier in the in the episode. Um, but they, they are legitimate to win the division. They're well-coached. They have a solid defense, and they're the opposite. They have really solid goaltending. Defense is good. It's just that, you know, I look at their offense. Kessel hasn't done much. Connor Garland's their leading goal scorer. Nick Schmaltz is emerging, but it's just... Their offense, I believe, is going to kick in, and, and they're a team that can grind you down. They have some they more... They don't scare you, but they'll beat you. That's that's the that, that's, that's that's it right it, there. Right. They don't have to scare you, though. Edmonton scares you because of McDavid, yeah. but if you really watch the team, Edmonton's not a scary team because no. it's really... It's, it's Dreisaitl, yeah, yeah, and McDavid, right? Yeah. But in, in Arizona, while they're not, they don't have that flashy, scary player, even though they have Castle and some other stuff, but it's not... They don't s- give up much it, at all. It, that team will grind you down. Yeah, they, they will just agree. grind you down and wear you down. Yeah, uh, but you're right, on paper, I mean, Vegas is the more talented team. We just have to see if they can sort it out. Mm. Calgary, here's uh, something interesting, though, DB. I've uh, been asking around a lot. Is What's going on with this Johnny Goudreau thing? And from everybody, it's like, look, they are not trading Johnny Goudreau. I don't know where all these reports are coming from or what the point is of these reports, but Johnny is going nowhere at yeah. this particular time. You don't trade your best player. That's not the right move. Well, he, I think he's two years from free agency, so then people looking at the end of the contract, the team isn't performing. Chill out, people. Thank you, John. <laughs> yeah, chill out. But there is an interesting possibility of the Kings doing something. Um, from what I understand, uh, Calgary's very thin down the right-hand side. Right. Tyler Toffoli happens yep. to be a right wing. Yep. There could be a fit there. Mabel, maybe uh, Michael Froelich uh, could come back in that deal. They get a draft pick. Froelich's on an expiring contract. Expiring contract right. that, that could maybe help out on the Calgary side. It plays into L.A. And, and who knows? Maybe on a bridge deal, they could you know get somebody back. Alan Walsh is his agent. Walsh has a good relationship with King's management. Here's a minor footnote that is rather interesting, though, on Michael Froelich. Yeah. He played in four different World Junior Championships. That is very hard to do. It's hard to do, John. Yeah, for the Czech Republic. So um, that would be interesting. And if he does end up. And plus, Calgary was scouting here tonight. Their assistant general manager was here, not Craig Conroy, the other cats. (laughs) They they had two guys looking, so who knows? So there could be something to that. Um, Toronto coaching. I I did want to touch on this as we talk about uh, the NHL as a whole. Look, general managers typically want to hire their own coach. Agreed. And we talked about this with Minnesota a couple weeks ago and why Bruce is probably not long for the Minnesota gig. Billy Garrett's uh, in there now. Yep, not his guy. Yeah. Um, Toronto, look, Kyle was going to eventually at some point bring his, his own guy in. Right. Kyle Dubas is a really smart guy. Yeah. Um, is he, uh, the name, of course, is escaping me now that I'm trying to make the point. Is he Theo Epstein? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, well, because it's not just Kyle, though. Like, Shanahan has a heavy, yeah. all his fingerprints are all over this team as well, John. That's the issue. Look, what the salient point for me was when Badcock said his f- farewell, he mentioned Larry Tannenbaum and Lou Lamorella. He, dot, he did not mention Dubas. He did not mention Shanahan. That all, that's all I need to know. Yep. Sheldon Keith aligns with Kyle Dubas. He believes in what Kyle is with the advanced statistics. You know, Babs 
didn't want to hear about it in statistics, right? He wasn't that type of coach. He, he's an old school guy, and it just and and that's okay when you're winning and you have hundred point seasons. But when this team, when you're paying four guys half your salary cap and you're losing six in a row, you lose your job. It's as simple as that. You're looking for an excuse to, and it wasn't a line. And I will tell you this: like we know some of the players. I think they're relieved, and I think a, a lot of them are happy that Babs isn't the coach anymore, to be honest with you. So I think it was a relief. They won tonight in Arizona 3-1. I'm not sure that's a uh, that's an auger of anything going forward because, John, I, I think if this team doesn't succeed, and I don't see how they will because they'll have to beat in division Boston and Tampa in some form. Right? Mm-hmm. They're not that good. They, you know, look, they finally put Tyson Berry on the power play. Right? They traded for the guy. They put him on. They don't put him on the power play. This team doesn't. The best defenseman is Jake Muzzin. But the window's there, DV. They have to do they, something. They, have they, to they need they to win. All, well, and you look at they. they yeah, are, they're yeah. not going to be able to bring that whole team back next year. No. So they the team's going to look different. For defensive help, that would that would be the move they could make. Um, they overpaid him, and I agree. Look, Babcock paid the price. But if they don't succeed. This is on Bat. This is on Shanahan and on Dubas because they built this team. They chose to pay these guys. They overpaid these guys, John. I mean, they really did because it's Toronto. Because they can afford it. Because they can afford to fire Babcock and still pay him twenty million dollars on his contract. Because of the Maple Leafs, they're the Yankees of or the Dodgers of of hockey. So they have all this money. But um, it's not surprising the way they were playing. If you watch some of these games in the last couple of games, Toronto, you could just see that, that you know the, the storm clouds were forming for my Babcock. And the, now, what does he do next? Does he wait for Seattle? Um, does another team, maybe a Tampa or a Nashville, if they flounder halfway through the season, could they could he re-energize a team? Possibly, but um, I think Seattle's sure. waiting in the wings, and I just think that that it's not going to happen with Seattle. It makes perfect sense, especially right. because of the type of experienced coach that they need yeah. and that they want and everything else. But I don't. I think the window's too long to get there, to get and another the team is going to need him before then, like you. Yeah, Q was supposed to be guy right. in Seattle, and then Florida popped up, and they've got you know so much talent on that team. Same thing with Babcock. Some team is going to have this need. They're going to see him as the best coach available, and they're going to plug him in. I agree with you. But let's put let's put two things to bed. Sure, I've I've seen people saying, "Oh, well, McClellan, they have a relationship. Bring him in as an assistant coach. <laughs> he is not coming to Los Angeles. Forget about Mike it, people." Babcock is an assistant. I, I, just give me a break, right? And then um, I got better odds to go behind the bench as an assistant. Okay, Mike Babcock. And then this whole thing about hey, if things don't work out with Dallas Eakins this year and Anaheim, could they get rid of him? And would would Murray bring in uh, Babcock? No, because I don't think Bob Murray is going to get to hire another coach. This is his coach. Dallas Eakins has a better chance of outlasting Bob Murray at this point. And he has a relationship with all their young players. He coached them in San Diego. It makes absolutely no sense. I, I know people. They people sometimes when they try to connect the dots, they draw with the crayon. TV. <laughs> um, let's <laughs> let's do a quick update on the briefcase as we wrap up yes. uh, episode thirteen. Look, Jeff Solomon. He tried the intimidation. Look, he this guy's a us. this guy's a former lawyer. He should know better. DB. Okay, we have our street corner here at Staples Center. We've we been standing in the same place for 10 years between <laughs> periods. Everybody knows where it is. Media and elevators, tonight, 112, 113. Come see us. If you guys want to talk, if you guys want to, you know. Sometimes I, we have swag for you. Sure, yeah. Whatever. If you want to buy a Wetzel pretzel for DB or something, come <laughs> by the media elevators behind 112. We're there every game between right. first and second intermissions or during those intermissions. Yeah. Anyway, DB, after That's the first spot. period tonight, we come, everybody knows this. Everybody knows. Um, he it, knows too. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We yeah. came down the elevator, ding, we get off the elevator, we turn right, boom. Who's standing on our street corner? Jeff Solomon. Yeah. Looking at us like, what are you punks going to do about it? <laughs> I think he's trying to pick a fight. He's so, always like 6'6", six, six, too. So he's going on the offense. He's been yeah. playing defense lately. He, he had the bodyguard with Hextall. He had the briefcase <laughs> tucked in there. He's been playing defense, and now all of a sudden he's decided to go <laughs> offense, and he's just standing there like, what are you guys going to do about it? 
We made a move. He had to move to the side. He figured yeah. it out. Yeah, he did. The, uh, I mean, he might be six six, but it was two on one. Yeah, he 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 knew. He knew what it was. He's he's a meticulous guy, right? Because he's the he's the he's the capologist, so he has to you know yeah. fine tooth comb stuff. He knew exact, very calculating guy. Yeah, right. See, I don't think that he. I don't think that he was. He knew what he intimidated. Was exactly. I don't think he was intimidated and the two on one, and that's why he moved over. I think that he made his point, and then he just politely sort of. Did he slid over? Did he do like John Cena? You can't see me. Is that what he did? You can't see me. I'm standing here, John. Let's go. No, back. he's not. It's, maybe it's, he's a better. Maybe he's a better John Cena than Kyle Clifford. Anybody you know? would be a better John Cena than Kyle Clifford. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that's all I'm saying. He's not Kyle Clifford. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what's going on with Jeff Solomon in the briefcase. He did not have the briefcase with him at he that particular not. moment. So no. I don't know where it was. It was under lock and key. It was Hextall in the management suite. Yeah. I didn't see Hexy tonight. So hey, Mister A was here. Maybe he's holding on to the briefcase. Right? I don't know. Where, all I know is, Sully, don't try to intimidate us no. again by coming on our street That's corner. That's one and out right there. Yeah. You, you exactly. made your point. Okay? Thank you. We get it. But when I come off that elevator at the next game, <laughs> I expect my corner to be clean. Okay? Right. All right. Uh, DB, we're going to leave with some Motley Crue tonight because Absolutely, of this. Uh, yeah. Back-to-back games, I was down in Anaheim, and I, you know, because I love this kind of stuff. I just found it interesting. Edmonton was in town, right. and when they won... Uh, the locker room, shout at the devil. One of my all-time favorite uh, sure. uh, Motley Crue songs is, bl- and I don't understand why Edmonton Oilers were playing shout at the devil. Yeah. The you know this is a younger team. I wouldn't expect them to know, but hey, respect that they understand that the crew are awesome. Right. So they're playing Motley Crue, shout at the devil. That's great. Yeah, you know I tweet about it. Boom, boom, boom. Right. A couple days later, I go back to Anaheim, and uh, San Jose is there. I go to the San Jose room after the game, yeah. and they're playing Motley Crue. So wow. two teams. Now, it's not like it's, like, left over from the Oilers because each team travels with their own, you know, right. iPod. Right, exactly. So just the irony of two teams That's great. with Motley Crue. So in honor of that, we're going to go out tonight with some Motley Crue live wire DB. It's been fantastic. I enjoyed episode 13. I look forward to the next one. We'll talk to you soon, fans. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. When the big wireless carriers start trying to get you to splurge your tax return on the latest nonsense this year, just tune it out. With Straight Talk Wireless, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199 on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com.